Hello and welcome to the Vortos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. Oops. Oh, wait. No, sorry. This is wrong. Um, I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And that's We're right. Two. We're short two people today. We're, we don't have the we don't have the cops on the podcast. No, I, I'm not going to call them <laughs> cops. Uh, we don't have the shills. We don't have the sellouts on the podcast yeah, today. All those quote unquote contractors, <laughs> you know how they are. They can't um, tell us what to say or not say. They don't. They don't usually do that. To be <laughs> fair, I think, I think they just prefer not to say. Um, yeah. This is our. This is our laid back pre Chicago podcast. Um, the week that this releases, that Saturday we have Outlaws of the Multiverse, um, which is our panel on Saturday, February. Dun dun dun. 24th at 11 a.m. And I believe that will be recorded because it's on the main stage at MagicCon Chicago. So that's what we're all looking forward to. The mana stage, as it is called. Uh, we are, we're looking, yeah, we're looking for, we've been working really hard on this. Um, specifically, Carrie has been working really hard on this. I don't want to, uh, you know, shortchange Carrie's hard work on this panel because it is, it is pretty incredible. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. We hope all of you are there who can make it. Um, it's going to be recorded as far as we know. Like, we don't have like 100% confirmation because, you know, we're not there and they haven't recorded it. So <laughs> things could change. But uh, hopefully we'll have the ability to share it with you. But that does mean that there won't be a regular episode next week because uh, we're all going to be in Chicago. Uh, so we won't be able to like record an extra episode. So... Maybe no, we'll, I won't be arriving till late Friday night, but yeah, you're going to be in Chicago. So yes, just on a different timetable. We'll record the Vorthos cast Saturday dinner ASMR experience. <laughs> one <laughs> microphone in the middle of the table as we all silently chew. There was <laughs> there was a moment. I mean, like this could still happen where Jay was suggesting drunken magic lore history. Uh, and I was like, look, I will bring my laptop and record it and we can just see what happens. Uh, but that might that might be more of a disaster than anything else. I'm on board for this. <laughs> see, I don't drink anymore, but I've been informed that uh, I have to try Malort while I'm in Chicago. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't drink either. But, you know, I, I, I'll if if you want to do a, a shot of Malort, I will do it with you. I don't know if I can do a shot, but I'll take a sip of Malort. I will try the fair. flavor of Malort. Is fair, this, is fair, this before fair. or after you eat the cards? Oh, oh God. God. You know, actually, <laughs> I I mean, we're going to see because it depends on if Radley gets up to has 1,400 followers at the time of MagicCon Chicago. So for those of you who aren't on Twitter, uh, one of our friends of the podcast, Radley, he uh, posted that he, he would eat a magic card if he got to 1,300 followers I said if he got to 1,400 followers, I would eat one of his magic cards. Uh, so if he's at 1,400, come time Chicago, I will I will be forced to eat uh, a Jace. I'm going to eat a Jace. I've decided. That's honorable. Oh, wow. A Mind Sculptor? Um, probably not a Mind Sculptor, but I'll eat a Jace. I'll find one. Mind Sculptor <laughs> can't be that much money now. Mind Sculptor is actually really cheap now. I think Mind <laughs> Sculptor is like half the price of an Agatha soul cauldron at the moment. Oof. But uh, that's that's an entirely different conversation. But today on the podcast, we um, we're going to talk about um, 
I don't know. What are we going to talk about? Well, we had episode 11 of yeah. the Ravnica murders at Karlov Manor story. It was a pretty short one, admittedly. But yeah, I, I don't even think we need to recap it that much. The soul of the story for people who still haven't read it, even though it's really a 10 minute read at most. Um, Proft goes to talk to Niv Mizzet. This is after the events of everything at uh, MKM Main Story. Uh, Niv is questioned on why he kind of stayed out of the Tristani conflict. He says, I got bigger fish to fry. Proft <laughs> is like, I know exactly what bigger fish you're talking about. Niv is like, okay, show me the big fish. And Prof and then Prof pulls out a giant fish, just yes. just massive fish. Um, the box that he had swiped from Kylox's lair um, as they were, I believe, fleeing to they were chasing Kylox down after he was kidnapped. Yeah, chasing him down to basically where Krenko was keeping him um, was encoded in some way. Prof broke the code. There is a Omen Path project that is being enacted by Niv. He is trying to be able to control the Omen Paths, which is not out of character with Niv, especially considering, um, you know, his history. <laughs> the, yeah. During the Secretus, he was very, very willing to hop onto the Implicit Maze, believing that it was a weapon. During War of the Spark, um, he famously rebirthed himself as Guild Pact before we even knew he died. Um, <laughs> he's really on that next level mystery grind. But he's got these projects going on, and this one feels enticing. Um, I, w I will remind people that the next part of this three-year-long mega arc, the first arc is called the Omen Path arc, the second arc is called the Dragon Storm arc. So yeah. take from that what you will. I'm guessing there is some connection there. We'll find out. Also, uh, Outlaws of Thunder Junction is the the end cap of this omen path arc so like they apparently were planning an aftermath booster for outlaws of thunder junction and i'm <laughs> laughing at that because we all know that would not have ever sold um so they they refigured that and now like they're putting the aftermath cards as like bonus cards in this the boosters um so like that's cool but also like that means that like sig like something significant might be happening in this this Next set, uh, it is the end cap of the Omen Path arc, which means like I've seen a, I'm seeing a lot of questions. People are like, what's going on? What does this have to do with anything? What is, you know, why is Kellen just showing up everywhere? Why is Niv-Mizzet doing this weird project? Blah, 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 blah. How does Rakdos get to Thunder Junction? Um, I'm just going to say, like, we should wait until we have the story for Outlaws of Thunder Junction, because I feel like it's going to explain some things, reveal some things. Tell us about what's going on. So, yeah, there's just 
I think that like people are underestimating that this might be a more impactful story coming up next than the like previous three have been in terms of like plot movements. So yeah, I'm a little hopeful. Um, I really want to see this first. I'll call it a mini arc because it's part mm-hmm. of this larger mega arc. I want to see this first mini arc kind of land on its feet and prove that people should be engaged in caring about the finer details of Magic's story. I don't know how successful that will be, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I am also kind of skeptical, but I'm also going into it with no expectations either good or bad um i I think that like we've said this entire time since the great disparkening or whatever you want to call it um they've given themselves a lot of opportunities to tell interesting stories uh and I, i hope that they don't squander it um they've reset the meta or the metaphysics of their their universe, as it were, a multiverse, and for the first time in a big way since the mending, and you know a lot of people weren't happy about the mending, and a lot of people, myself included, aren't happy are happy with the desparkening or whatever, but um, you know it's Niv Mizzet's interest in all these omen paths and the the story that they may be hinting at is uh really interesting to me um and i i I do like the stories they've been telling um and i i'm hoping that they stick the landing because it could lead to a lot of cool things yeah i i agree i think um my my thought is that like i have expectations for outlaws of thunder junction but i don't have I'm not tying my like emotional self-worth to those expectations. Like there are just things that like from a narrative point of view, I think that this set has to accomplish to be successful. Um, I don't think that's been true for like wild of Eldraine and lost caverns and, and murders. I don't think there was like anything that those sets had to accomplish, you know, like as long as they were good stories with engaging characters that like, made the world feel richer for their existence than they accomplished what they needed to do um, to like onboard people, make people interested in magic story. And so those were successful for that reason. I think Outlaws of Thunder Junction does have some weight on it. Like it has to do something. It has to be more than just a really cool, fun cowboy story. Um, Like, I, I need more than just Oko and a shootout with, you know, Garrick or something, um, which would be an excellent thing to happen in the story. But like it needs to move the plot forward a little bit in a way. Uh, and so I have that, that expectation, but I don't have any sort of emotional attachment to that expectation because I'm like, if it doesn't, but it's still a good story, then like I'm I'm going to appreciate that about it. But if it's, you know. Like, I might be a little confused about who and what's going on with the story if it doesn't provide some sort of, like, plot narrative growth in the world. Yeah, I think we've all learned to temper our expectations (laughs) for Magic's story pretty well, because 
Um, I don't know. It was just a decently big learning point for both kind of the missteps that went into War of the Spark and then the more minor but still missteps that went into March of the Machine and the execution of the Phyrexian threat buildup versus the defeat finale and kind of where that balance was struck. And so while this is a very minor one, we really this is setting up the hat trick. <laughs> if we <laughs> if we score point one, which is the omen path arc, then it's going to be infinitely easier to convince people to stay all the way out through the the full three years of this story arc. Um, will Kellen be a recurring main character after Outlaws? I'm personally doubtful. Um, however, this is kind of new territory for us in, in their storytelling approach. Will we get a new main character to follow, or are things just going to continue kind of building off of this? I would guess we're not going to make Oko's gang as it appears in the art and then only use them for exactly one set however i don't know how oko's gang works on bloomborough <laughs> i don't know where they fit into you know the wider the wider multiverse stories so um yeah it's nice having an open-ended way but like really can't emphasize this enough beginning and ends of stories are kind of where you need to get people on board and that was why the advent of the new era um, as defined by Jenna back in the day being kind of the start with magic origins, very soft reset, go on from there and try to build engagement with the web fiction. That's why it was successful was because it was a very clear onboarding point. Whether Wilds of Aldrane onwards will be a worthwhile onboarding point depends on whether people see outlaws and see things falling into place for some larger story arc or consider it kind of a good wrapping up point for like the first book in a trilogy and yeah i mean we we're kind of stuck negotiating that balance with story fans um people who say there's too much kellen which is <laughs> possibly the most interesting criticism I have uh, seen in the story community because they've you, you obviously. You don't have to use the word interesting. You can use the word you really <laughs> feel about that. <laughs> possibly the most incorrect assessment of the story. Um, Kellen is a. I think. I think Jay correctly identified Kellen as like a point of view character. However, Kellen's just a thread, like a single thread. Um, do I feel emotionally invested in Kellen's growth as a character? Like 60% so right now. But I don't know how I would have cared more if he was more present and important in Lost Caverns of Ixalan and Murders at Karlov Manor. Because he kind of just was there. He was more or less in the background he wasn't like slaying Aklazots or making the accusation against Tristani. He was just around. And for some reason, I think Rad pointed this out, people are just allergic to main characters in Magic the <laughs> Gathering. And it's kind of baffling because if we have to fight this many battles, both like 
the historical reputation of the web fiction being poor. Well, the historical reputation of magic story as a whole being poor. And then we have people who insist that the story was only good back in the novels. Not really, you know, actually a true statement, (laughs) objectively, considering the novels ended, considering failure of sales. Onslaught block, considering. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like we, We had multiple chances at this. As the biggest apologist for the Onslaught block novels, I, you know, in hindsight, I, I realized that they weren't great. So, you know, it's people have had some really bad uh, experiences with the Onslaught block novels, with War of the Spark. You know, it's um, met like like most literature, it has its peaks and valleys, and you know, it's something that we have to take in stride. Um, we don't we don't have a set. Um, strike that. Never mind. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I so like that actually brings up a point I wanted to talk about today. Um, sort of spawned by this this short article I read uh, from uh, an author going by the name Dominarian Plowshare. Um, they posted it in uh, the Ristic Studies Discord. Um, which, by the way. Uh, if you're not a patron of Sam over at Ristic Studies, you should like, like first of all, be a paid patron to us. Like, you know, give us a dollar, but then like go and give Sam some money too. Like his videos are incredible; he deserves it. Um, big fan of, of Ristic Studies, but he posted this uh, user in the server um, who goes by the name Cyberpunk Garfield in the server, which is just a great name. Posted this little article and it was, I say little because it's pretty short about like what mad, what we talk about when we talk about magic story. Um, and I, I thought it made some really like valuable points and something that we as Vorthos is, but also just the larger magic community uh, or magic story appreciator community should really think about is like what we mean when we talk about magic story uh, and like how magic story exists because one of the points brought up in the the article is that magic story is not one single thing and it can't be one single thing. Uh, There is no unified magic story. So when you talk about magic story, you can be talking about the web fiction. You can be talking about the world guides. You could be talking about the flavor text on the cards, the art on the cards, the, you know, short trailers that we get the novellas, the novels, you can talk about a whole bunch of different things. And they're all distinct. They're all different. Um, Everyone approaches magic story from a different angle, from a different sort of experience. And what that means to one person could mean something different to someone else. So like, if you read the Onslaught Block novels and you really enjoyed them, those are magic story to you. If you never read the Onslaught Block novels, or if you read them and really didn't enjoy them, they don't have to play into your experience of magic story. There is like a unified canon of which, if for some reason we visit Otaria uh, at some point in the near future, where you might need to know what happened in the Onslaught Block novels, um, then like, yeah, that can play into that understanding. But also like if we went and did Otaria the set, and there's a bunch of cards in the set that reference, you know, the whole Odyssey block forward Otaria story. 
um, you don't like you're experiencing the story. That is magic story. You don't have to have read those novels to experience and enjoy what you're getting now. And you also don't have to read the web fiction to be engaging with magic story. I think you should. I think it's really good. <laughs> I think it's like if you want to have a conversation with someone about the story, then reading the web fiction really helps you in that conversation. But it is sort of like a different point of view and how you're accessing it. Um, yeah, the way I, I think, sort of. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I just think there's a sort of romanticizing of the past of magic story. Mm -hmm. And like even the gameplay concepts, when we get people who are like, why aren't they drawing on their mana bonds in the story and actually casting spells? And I'm like, I mean, because arenas, because arena failed is, <laughs> is the reason. Like we moved away from that model extremely early on because it turned out people were more interested in actual storytelling that involved characters in a traditional fantasy sense than kind of more literal gameplay restricted translations that probably in all honesty narrowed down the authorship from an admittedly small few people who wanted to work on magic story to even fewer who wanted to work on magic story and understood the mechanics of it and so and what it would what would that have earned their audience it would have get, made the people who play the game and like references to the game inside the fiction happy <laughs> which isn't um the greatest motivator when you're trying to build a fiction uh like a fictional universe for other authors to kind of build off from yeah and it's also for the readers too and like the enjoyers of it because like if you wrote a magic story wherein you like accounted for every single little detail and you told me every little thing that happened for every single character who's even like vaguely touched upon or mentioned in the story uh or like that is depicted in a card uh it would be probably really bad you know like it would just be impossible to like get a lot of enjoyment from it because you wouldn't be able to imagine anything it would all just be given to you um of course that's like never going to happen even in like a reasonable world in the sense of like that would be an endless novel. Um, but it also means that like we as people who are reading a story and enjoying a story and want to like have fun with it and, and have a good time, you can't drag things out and make them like years and years and years long. And you can't have one set require 200,000 words of story to tell it. Because that just, it just kind of like becomes People a People aren't going to hook onto that. There's there's some middle point between uh, a very short burst of five web fiction stories yeah. like Wilds of Aldrain versus um, actual novel trilogies that we had back in the day where your return on investment for players clicking through to the stories, even if they're all for free online, is going to drop off significantly because they want an end point. I liked when web fiction was my lunch read. It is no longer necessarily my lunch read. However, that's fine because I can commit time outside of this. My, my my main argument is just like, I understand the desire that some people have for like, why why can't we have murders at Karlov Manor be like three sets worth of stuff and 
have, you know, a full novel about it. And like, I think that that could happen, but it's also like, I don't know if that's better for magic story to have like the card set story require you to read an entire novel um, versus having web fiction. So I think that that middle ground that we have sort of now where it's like we have 10 episodes of Murders at Karlov Manor, we had six of Ixalan. Uh, hopefully we have a good number for Thunder Junction. Um, that would give us sort of like a good story, but like I don't I don't know if I needed a novel for Murders at Karlov Manor that like went in depth about what Judith was doing and explained every detail of like her whole like plots and things. Um it was fine. I got the scenes I needed for me to, you know, understand what she was up to. Um, and there are people out there who complain, though, who are like, why didn't we get more about what Zagana and Vanifar were up to before Zagana was you know, murdered in like episode one? But like, I get that like people want that, but I also think like that's not necessarily going to make Magic Story better so much as it'll just give more to it. And I think those are two different discussions. Um and I don't think they're necessarily exclusive of each other either, if that makes sense. Um. Yeah, that's, I mean, my my only minor counterpoint to that was if you're going to set up Phyrexia as a threat, then you needed to give a few Phyrexian stories, like a few more, mm-hmm. because these these absolute sickos online are crazy about Phyrexia and wanted more, more Phyrexia point of view and, you know, Phyrexian-dominated world society. And the glimpses that we got of that were just insufficient. So all, all in measure with uh, the importance of what exactly is going on because, yeah, we're not spending more than one set on Ravnica, but Phyrexia was supposed to be a pretty significant deal to defeat and instead um we just didn't have the space or time to Mm -hmm. kind of give it all that it deserved and that's partially a product failure (laughs) honestly like the way that things were scheduled didn't really leave the most time to explore phyrexia as a force and i think that's kind of going to be unfortunately the lasting legacy um, for criticisms of March of the Machine's story was that people wanted more Phyrexia and they simply didn't get it. First of all, I think you're very brave to say that we needed more Phyrexia when you're on a podcast with Brian. Yeah. Um, I want to acknowledge that. Carrie might go missing. That's why Chicago. I said they're sickos because these, <laughs> these little freaks think Phyrexia is good when it's clearly bad. And if anybody comes after me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) people have very nuanced takes about Phyrexia. And I feel like a good number of the more fan and leaning interpretations could have been pretty uh, entirely distilled by seeing more of the philosophy that was outlined in past world building guides, past stories that people simply hadn't read because they're more than a decade old at that point having some of that stuff echoed in the present to kind of hammer down the reputation instead of just leaving it open-ended and no ending up with a little more flexibility in (laughs) the discourse that results from this yeah so um a a couple of people have been talking about magic story lately uh one of them was i i sent loading ready run on like a 10 minute long 
a like rant about Magic Story because they did a like uh, a mailbag episode. And I asked them, what do they think that Magic Story needs to be more popular? Um, because the thing is, is like Magic Story is good. Like, I'm sorry if that makes me sound uh, like a shill, but I think that genuinely the magic story that we get is good. I think the world building is good. I think the stories we get online are very good. I think the stories being told on the cards are very good. Um, I think that magic story is good, but I think it's not very popular. And I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think one of the big ones is sort of highlighted by like the answers that Loading Ready Run gave, um, which is... Also, sort of in keeping with the article I talked about earlier, magic story means different things to different people, and different people have different ways of interacting with it. And I think that Wizards is not doing the work that needs to be done. And it's not like saying story team bad, but saying like Wizards is not providing the support and the like, you know, for lack of a better term, the funding to make this happen. But like, one thing Cameron brought up is like the argument that gets brought up a lot where like magic needs its own. What is it called? The Black Library or something uh, that Warhammer has. Yeah. Where it's like 60 novels of like just one historical moment um, all told from like different points of view and all this stuff. And then there's like just so many Warhammer novels. And I think like magic needs something like that. But I don't think magic story as a mainline product needs that. I don't need three novels for every set that we have um, or even one novel necessarily. Which but is- I think, yeah, but I think magic story does need as a larger thing, some supplementary writing to go along with the main story. Um, I think that is like undeniably something that people are asking for. And I do think it's true. I think that we need like a novel that exists outside of the main story plot that gives more world building. Um, I think one example brought up on their podcast was like the brothers war, which there is a brothers war novel. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) There is also the brothers war web fiction. I think that there is a, a world that exists wherein Miguel Lopez wrote a novel for the brothers war and Reinhardt Suarez wrote the web fiction and those two things exist at the same time and they don't necessarily talk to each other, but like you get the flavor of the brother's war through a novel and then you get Reinhardt's web fiction that gives you like the main story continuity plot points that we're going for. Um, And I think that's like an interesting world to like envision. And I think that's like an interesting thought. And I think that that's something magic could explore But the issue then becomes something we've talked about before, which is like, why would people go read a novel if it doesn't feature the main characters of the story? Um, And that's the big problem, because you can't have Chandra showing up in a novel and also in the main set story when those two things we've learned cannot interact with each other very well. So it's... um, I think that was an interesting suggestion on, on Cameron's part and something I think that is true, but also like requires a small caveat of like it can't necessarily replace the main storytelling vehicle of magic it just sucks only getting these insights like piece by piece over the course of (laughs) a decade of working on the web fiction because like honestly boom was that boom was a wackier version of that admittedly (laughs) 
but mm-hmm. it was kind of exactly what people were asking for in a supplementary um contained story that was tangential they made it clear it was its own universe however you can solve a lot of those issues i don't remember if i posted this in the server but like my honest pitch this is assuming many many things and the biggest assumption that you shouldn't make but that i'm making is that they actually care about building magic fiction into a ip that they can kind of expand from again because that was an effort that existed a decade ago at this point but has now kind of died off in the wake of universes beyond stuff because it's just kind of easier to take external ips and not have to do as much internal development work with your story if you can just overlay existing story elements that you know are popular from other properties over top your card game but here you go you get publishing deal which is big thing you do exactly you spend a year or more (laughs) having (laughs) a writer flesh out the mirage war that Mm -hmm. is a story that has not been told in anything besides summaries by this point but that we know the grand kind of broad strokes of you do a mirage war book you market the hell out of that book and that's another assumption that they actually would care to market this and care about the success of this product line because that is something that the story has struggled (laughs) with historically um you market this book if you have any more books left in the contract then if the Mirage book succeeds, then you're good to go. You can use other backfiller stories. Tell us the story of Innistrad Block 1.0. Tell us the story of Theros Beyond Death. It doesn't need to be the exact fiction that was written at the time. You can retroactively kind of Tell fill us in the, the story blanks. of Chandelar. Exactly. Like you can explore stuff that's unexplored in the retroactive history of the multiverse. And then once the quality is there and this is the actual hurdle once you have a reputation for good fiction that exists outside of the web fiction then you can do whatever you want you can tell the tamio family side story that you want to and just have a tamio adventures book you can do whatever you think people would buy you can tie it into secret layers and stuff but like the reason we don't have this happening is because we have a bad reputation and currently tackling that bad fiction reputation isn't worth the resources. And that sucks because it's like, I think we would all like it to be in a better place so that we could have this kind of black library of tangential fiction that doesn't have to be tethered by the main story but they can still pay Jay to continuity edit and they can still care about the level of quality going into it and take their time with releases. But selling suits on that idea when Hasbro isn't in the best place ever and selling publishers on that idea of like, give us this book deal and if one does well, then we'll do more. Otherwise, we're going to scrap it. That's an extremely hard ask and like... I don't know. That's basically the only way I see it happening is you have to take like an existing story moment that you know people will be invested in and 
release it and see if it does well just on its own merits and try to build up a reputation that way. And it's going to cost money, but also like, yeah, <laughs> that's the truth <laughs> of the business is if you want a good magic multiverse that you want to kind of, and the profit margins on books is never going to be comparable to cards. Sorry, that's the other truth is that like physical books, even ebooks necessarily, I don't know how much money they're going to be making off of a successful ebook run, but I can't imagine it's going to be any more sensible to be doing books and all the planning and development that goes into that versus just doing secret layers forever and kind of having constant money. So. I mean, alternatively, they could just focus their energies on things like the TV show that we were promised years ago. It's <laughs> like, if they were to do something like that and it goes well, like what Arcane did for um, League, they could put something of that or even half of that quality out, get the positive community response for more, drive like new like get new customers in via that avenue and then keep developing that property. Like it could be focused on a, a completely different planeswalker. That's not directly involved with the main story that they're doing in, uh, in the car game and just do crossovers every once in a while. Like if they're so worried about the story, not being canon in the show, they can let their story continue, then have the show canon crossover with the card, the, the web novel canon, or if it gets good enough to where they're able to do things in a timely manner, or they can have some kind of cooperation with the sets, like maybe it's something that they could actually build their sets around the upcoming seasons of the show. Like, we know that they have their crazy lead times, but you know, it's maybe something they can look into, but again, that costs money and they have to have buy-in from the suits. And we're not sure if we're ever going to get that, but you know, it's, it, I feel like that would be something that would earn a return on investment if they did it the right way. But you know, that's my accounting brain doing things, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, there's a lot of ways to tackle the idea of like, how do we expand the magic story into like a new medium? So like TV novels, I think that the, the thing is like, there is a, a rich IP um, that is not just the main characters. And that's a, that's a thing that like magic fans also kind of struggle with sometimes is like, <laughs> um, there are main characters and people, like you said, are like main character allergic. They don't like the idea of a main character. Um, there's something about it that like makes people they don't like being told what what's important. Um, I've noticed that about magic lore. Vortho says they don't like being told that like this is a main character. Um, and I get that. But also like that's how fiction works. You know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes someone's like, here's the main character of the story and you just you just go with it. Um, but the other thing is like, I think that that is a thing that also magic, like magic vorthoses don't understand is like the main characters they do like that they have grown attached to don't have to show up all the time. Um, they don't have to be in every story. And actually it's nice when they're not. Uh, and sometimes you hear people saying that, like, why, why is Chandra showing up in every story? Can't we have a story without Chandra? And then Chandra has gone for like a set and they're like, where's Chandra? Um, same thing with like Jace. Jace has disappeared. And like, there are other things about his disappearance, but like 
people are really wanting to know when Jace is going to show up. And I'm just like, what if he just doesn't? Like, the multiverse is very big. Um, But to bring that back around to my point is that, like, the multiverse is very big. Like, the planes that we visit are very big and very rich and detailed. We have these, like, incredible world guides for these planes. Or, like, Planeswalker, we, the public, get the Planeswalker guides. There are more in-depth world guides as well. Um, They can use those for, like, other things than the card set. So, like, if you do want to tell a magic story, you can still use the settings and you can use some of the worlds and even some of the like minor characters who were like show up in world guides, but never really make a you know a dent in the story. Um, and you can just put those characters in a so in a setting, use them. Um, it doesn't have to be non-canon. It can just be canon that's happening off in the distance. Um, but that also brings me around to what Graham's point was on the podcast for for Loading Ready Run was uh, their podcast, by the way, is Tap Tap Concede if you're looking it up. Um, he brings up the point that like there's this like really rich depth of the world guides because like he's worked on flavor text. So like he has he's worked with the, the world guides before and he's like, there's so much in there that doesn't make it onto the cards and some of it makes it into the story, but not even all of it can possibly make it into the story. But like a lot of it just never makes it on the cards. And that makes the sets feel less rich in a lot of ways. I think this was one of the big complaints you had, Carrie, about Murders at Karloff Manor. Uh, or maybe it was Lorelai. One of you, um, maybe both, had this complaint that, like, there's not a lot of Ravnica showing up. And it's very much, like, very focused on one little aspect of Ravnica. And the the larger world is not really being explored that much. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of work can be done in terms of like a novel or like an extra story or something to like expand that. But also like, I do think they need to get more of it on the cards as well. Graham really convinced me there that like there is a lot of the depth and richness to the world that just doesn't show up in cards. And part of that is that there's no room for flavor text anymore because cards have like two paragraphs worth of information for rules text. Um, we need to go back to having a Herald of Bells and Lock in a set, you know, like a, a random vanilla tutu that can list out a wall of flavor text um, <laughs> so Hopefully. that we, we get more story. Uh, but that's like a different sort of problem. But I do think it is sort of tangentially cr- like related in the sense that like if you open up a Herald of Bells and Lock, you're really curious about who this Bells and Lock guy is. You're going to go look him up on the wiki. And then you're going to be like, oh, wow, let me go read the story he's in. And then you're going to watch him get killed by Gideon and and Liliana. And you're like, cool. Well, that's a cool character who just died. Um, but like, at least it like ropes you into the story a little bit more. Um, meanwhile, if you look at like Murders at Karloff Manor and you open up, you know, the pride of whole clade, you're like, oh, this is an interesting sounding character. Um, doesn't show up in the story and is only referenced on one magic card. And so it's like, there's probably a lot of depth there. There's a lot going on with the whole clade, but it's it's all hidden. It's all buried. It's all just showing up in one legendary creature card. So and I, I wonder how much of that is because of the timing on when the stories are released versus when the cards are concepted and the art commissioned and whatnot. Because I imagine there's a lot more lead time for the, uh, for the card art and... Like I, I, 
I'm not a hundred percent certain, and I guess that's something we could ask our authors on our next interview. But like, how much lead time do they get before the set? And like, I imagine that some of this artist commission long before. So we just give the authors a broad overview of what they expect to happen. The authors flush that in, and then they get a story. But the story isn't a hundred percent of what Watsi. Um, planned for so there might be moments that they didn't anticipate just because they just gave the author the broad over the broad strokes of the story and let the author fill it in yeah i i'm thinking more of like the issue with like the world guide having because the world guide is concepted and made before even like the art is commissioned and like the flavor text is written it's the like guide at which the creative folks sit down and like flesh out what the world is going to look like it's like where concept art is put it's where that kind of stuff and so I'm like, I think that thing is typically a much larger document than we are given views of in both the cards and the story. And I think that that is one of the things where it's like, we need more of that on the cards. Um, one of those things, like an example would be like Lost Caverns of Ixalan, where it's like the world guide, you know, the one that even we saw, the one that Miguel Lopez posted publicly has like a whole bunch of information about the history of the core, like the core of, of Ixalan and we got like very little of that in the cards and even less of it in the story and it's like that's such a rich document and we're getting almost nothing unless you read it and I'm like put more of that in the cards um but yeah that's just some thoughts on how to how to make magic story more popular and I I think um been a lot of rambling from us this episode we didn't have anything to talk about and we sure did talk about nothing for a while uh, many, many thoughts about Magic's story. Mostly because I think, as I've said elsewhere, people like to slap temporary bandages on, but it's basically just a tangled mess of issues that intersect with each other because it, yeah, it's product, it's story, it's the legacy of the story, it is the timelines that people are operating under. It's basically everything you could possibly imagine and there's no quick fix um which i think is why a lot of us revert to supplemental side stories that will be outside of the main canon because that solves at least like six of the major issues <laughs> um but yeah well uh we want to move on to final thoughts sure. yeah What's your final thought, Brian? What is the last thing you want to think about tonight before we go rehearse our panel for like an hour? Uh, my final thought is that um, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Um, I'm happy that the 49ers lost because I'm a bitter Packers fan who does not want to see the team who eliminated my team win anything. Um, but I'm also going to say that the Chiefs had their Super Bowl victory parade and there was a shooting there. And it's never too late to plead for gun control in the United States, even though we probably lost all hope of that after Sandy Hook. But, you know, um, it's really disappointing and uh, hoping for better. But also... Um, yeah, the world's not great, y'all. Uh, but be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, I think I think I can agree with that. Um, it's a we we live in a very messed up world right now, and part of the thing to understand is that like you can't 
change things on your own. Um, no single person can fix the problems that we are all facing as like a global society. Um, specifically, of course, in reference to like the ongoing genocide in, in Palestine uh, and in Gaza, that's a huge, huge weight to carry and no one person can carry it all. So, you know, form community, find your people, talk about it, um, you know, be conscious of it. Uh, you cannot fix it on your own, though. So just do not wallow in the fact that we live in hell. Um, you you need to find like minded people who or even not like minded. you can just find people to talk about it with discuss it, make sure to raise awareness, talk to your uh, representatives because you can't fix it by yourself. Uh, find a good community, help people, show people love. That's a, an important part of uh, making the world a better place. And that was a couple of real downer final thoughts. Uh, Carrie, you got one for us? I've got a happy one. Um, you can log off Twitter and it'll actually help you quit a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. I've been off since November and uh you know pretty having a pretty good time over here not not an exceptionally good time uh you can't really escape that kind of news and you shouldn't but uh you you do get a lot less absolutely dog shit takes pushed in your face when you just uh you know get off of Elon Musk's hell website um yeah, I don't. I don't want to rail too much because I know people still have communities and stuff on there. But really, if you can cut down your time a little bit, I promise you, you're gonna feel better. I don't know how exactly I feel about the uh, kind of crumbling of the centralization of social media. Um, I'm sure I have some very, very intelligent thoughts on it, but I'll leave those thoughts to be said by much, much smarter people. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. Yep. But when you log off Twitter, go to patreon.com slash thebrothoscast <laughs> and give us money and come to our Discord and talk story and talk with authors who actually really like talking about magic story <laughs> nonsense with us um, both the works that they write and the works that they hope to write because that has been kind of a pure joy of existing in that server lately um and also come to chicago if it's not too late for you or if you live in chicago <laughs> that will that will help the commute time uh we will be at magic con chicago our panel is saturday at 11 a.m we should have that video on demand up soon after as long as they record it um excited for that but thank you all for listening this has been the vorthos cast